Welcome to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in their lives. And it's a place where your questions about faith and religion can be answered. And now, here's your host, Deacon Al. Good evening and welcome back to Good News here on Catholic Spirit Radio. I am Deacon Al, and it's always a pleasure to be with you each weekend And we've got lots to talk about. We've uh, just entered into the season of Lent. Uh, And it's one of my favorite seasons. And even though it's one of the most somber seasons of the church, there's so much going on and so much good good things happening in our lives during Lent uh, that uh, I, I hope that you can glean some information out of today's show that might be helpful to you. We just had Ash Wednesday, which we talked about last week. It's it's. It always tickles me. Uh, We have some of our best attendants at Mass on Ash Wednesday. It's not a holiday. It's not a holy day of obligation. Uh, I've heard people say, well, you're giving stuff away for free, so people will line up, and they they seem to. I mean, our Masses were very full yesterday uh, to receive ashes, but it reminded me as I I was serving at uh, at one of the Masses uh, yesterday afternoon— I was reminded of a homily that was given by Father Jeff Windy. If you're up in our northern end of the Peoria Diocese, you're probably familiar with Father Jeff. Uh, great homilist. I have I've always enjoyed listening to his homilies. He uh, he he attend he tends to be um, very concise. He doesn't say the same thing over and over again. Uh, he has no trouble landing the plane the first time. When you think he's wrapping things up, he's honestly wrapping things up. Uh, but he says things that need to be said, and he says them quite plainly. Um, I remember one one year he, uh, he, he addressed the fact that a number of people were leaving before the uh, closing prayer. And before anyone had a chance to get up and leave, he said, I just want to remind you, that only one apostle left the Last Supper before the closing prayer, and we all know what happened to him. So it kind of reminded people, sit in your place until until the dinner is over, until the meal is done, and we've and you've been dismissed with with the final blessing. And we saw a, a tremendous uh, change in people, and and everyone was staying uh, for a long time till after that closing prayer. So that really struck home. So at Ash Wednesday one year, and this this goes back probably oh five six years ago, he uh, he started the Ash Wednesday homily with, "If the only reason you've come here today is to get dirt on your forehead, you don't need the church for that. You can go out in your garden and accomplish that same thing." And that. That got a lot of people's attention. And he went on to talk about that the value of Ash Wednesday, the purpose of Ash Wednesday, is goes far beyond just having some ashes smeared on your head so that as you walk around the rest of the day, people go, oh, look at that. He's got a smudge on his forehead, or she must be Catholic. Well, the, you know, the funny thing is, Catholics aren't the only faith that, do ash, that, that uh, distribute ashes on Ash Wednesday. A lot of Christian faiths do that. The, the Lutheran Church does it. Many Baptist Church do uh, do that. The Episcopalian Church. So there's a lot of Christians out there who recognize the begin, beginning of Lent uh, by the imposition of ashes. And the reason that's important is the purpose of Lent is 
as I say, it's a very somber time. Uh, it's for many a time of penance, but I'm going to give you another way to look at it in just a few minutes. But it goes back centuries to the very early times. It even goes beyond Christianity. You can find the imposition of ashes back in the Old Testament. When, when someone was looking to repent and turn back to God, part of that is recognizing your humility before God. The fact that we are just mere human beings, we are creations of God. God is not a creation of ours. And so ashes were used to remove some of that grandeur from our ego and remind us that we're simply dirt. I mean, human, even the word human comes from humus, earth. We, we, are, we are from the ground. We're basically made of dirt. If you look at the composition of the human body, it's pretty much everything you're going to find in a shuffle full of dirt. So uh, the imposition of ashes was a reminder of our humility uh, before the presence of God. And so we've gone from covering ourselves with ashes uh, to the Middle Ages where the ashes were simply sprinkled over your head to now the, the sign of the cross being made on the forehead in, in a more visible way. But if all you're there for is to get dirty and not to realize I'm, I'm here to humble myself, I'm here to start this, this period of penance by breaking myself down to the, the minimum and building myself back up in the image of Christ. If you're not there to do that, if you're, if you're there to mark your forehead and not your heart, then you've wasted your time coming to church. So as, you, as we enter into Lent, whether you uh, took the time to attend Mass yesterday or not, and there were a lot of Masses. I most, most parishes did multiple Masses during the day to make the, uh, give the opportunity for receiving ashes to as many people as possible. If you weren't able to fit that into your schedule or you chose not to go, that's okay. Every day is a new day for Christ. Uh, it's never too late to still humble yourself in prayer in, before God to humble yourself uh, by your presence before the crucifix at church and and start again, start, start your Lent passage over again, your Lenten journey. And know that it's, it's not just about, um, it's not just about sorrow. It's not just about repentance and penance. It really is about love. And we'll talk about that more after we uh, visit our readings uh, for the weekend. And the readings for, for this first Sunday of Lent, really, really interesting because the middle reading, the second reading, which is uh, Paul to the Romans, explains the relationship between the first reading and the gospel. So in the first reading, what we've got is from Genesis, and it, it talks about uh, Adam and Eve in, in the garden. And what happened to them with, with the, with the uh, fall of, of Adam and Eve. And then in the gospel, we're going to hear about Christ entering uh, the desert for 40 days and 40 nights to prepare for his earthly ministry. But Paul, in between, is going to tell us how one relates to the other. And there's some fascinating aspects of, of not just parallel items, but features of each story that contradict one another. And it's, it's a great way to look at our relationship 
with, with God, especially from a fallen relationship to a new vital relationship. So great way to start Lent. And, and you see these readings are very similar readings. Uh, the first, the first Sunday of, of every Lent, we always talk about Genesis uh, and we always talk about uh, Jesus entering the desert. So let's see where this takes us. We'll start with our reading from, from Genesis the uh, the very first book of the gos of the uh, of the Bible, and this of course comes from uh, the the author we believe to be Moses, and this was written very early on in the in the history of the the tribes of Israel, as Moses is explaining how everything began, how how life began on Earth, and the thing to remember. Uh, we have some disparity between Christian faiths. Some see this story as being completely literal, happened exactly the way that it happens. But in the Catholic Catechism, it warns us to not take Genesis literally, but to realize that it's it's written in a representational language. Moses is giving this had the story of of. Uh, the beginning revealed to him by God. And now he's sharing this with the, the tribes of Israel in a way they can understand. So it's, there's, some, there's a lot of representational language in here. Um, so we'll talk about that a, a little bit more as we go through the reading. So a reading from the book of Genesis. The Lord God formed man out of the clay of the earth. We talked about human being from the earth. And blew into his nostrils the breath of life. And so man became a living being. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east and and placed there the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made various trees grow that were delightful to look at and good for food with the tree of life in the middle of the garden, along with the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So two trees, everybody forgets there's a second tree that the, the, the knowledge of uh, of good and evil is not the only tree there. There's also the tree of life. And in our representational understanding of Genesis, that's, that's Christ. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all animals that the Lord had, God had made. The serpent asked the woman, and you notice in, in this reading, we completely skip over Eve being created. The woman is just already there. The, the story of Eve and why she's there is, is uh, another great, thing to look at and, and, and to, to work your way through in, in understanding in, in Scripture because it's very meaningful. Why is Eve there? Why Eve? And uh, why was that necessary? And how does that symbolize the importance of, of marriage today is, is all tied into that story. Now, the serpent was the most cunning of all the animals that the Lord God had made. And the serpent asked the woman, did God really tell you not to eat from any of the trees in the garden? And the woman answered the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. It is only of the fruit of that tree in the middle of the garden that God said, You shall not eat or even touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You certainly will not die. No, God knows well that the moment you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God's who knew what is good and what is evil. The woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eyes, desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was there with her, and he ate it. A couple things I want to point out. 
No mention of apple. Everybody talks about the apple eating. Why was eating an apple a sin? No apple. Nowhere in scripture does it refer to this as being an apple tree. It's a tree. It's a tree that has fruit, and evidently it's fruit that's uh, very appealing in, in its look. What fruit it was, completely irrelevant. Doesn't matter because that tree is no longer there. You know, there's you, you cannot find that physical tree. But what you can find are things in your life that make you think, you know what, if I just participate in that, if I eat of that, or if I own that, or I possess that, I can be greater than God. That tree in our life today isn't a tree of fruit. It could be a tree of power, a tree of possessions, a tree of pleasures. It's something that says, you know what, God told me not to do that. Pick your sin. You know, pick, pick any of your favorite sins. Put that hanging on the branch of a tree. And God said, you can, you can live your life however you want, but stay away from that. Don't even touch that. Don't go near that. God's warning us away from these deadly sins that corrupt our soul, that, that destroy our relationship with Christ. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's the, it's the participation, the desire for sin. So here you have uh, Adam, who was told at the very beginning, don't eat of the tree. Adam has obviously told Eve not to eat of the tree. And they're standing there together. People forget that. When Eve picked the fruit, Adam, who had a personal relationship with God, was standing right there with her and didn't say, honey, don't do that. That might not be the best thing. Remember, God asked us not to do that. Adam stood there like a lump on a log and let Eve take the fall on this. And then she shared it with him. And he said, well, she didn't die. What a testament. Well, it didn't kill the wife, so I guess I'll do it. Uh, not a very loving thing to do. Uh, I really question at this point the relationship between Adam and Eve because Adam didn't really seem to care much about Eve. Uh, you know, we we talk a lot with couples now as they're preparing for marriage that the the groom's most important job in this marriage is to get his wife to heaven and to do that by helping her to grow in her relationship with Christ. And the most important responsibility of the bride is to get the groom to heaven by helping him develop a greater relationship with Christ. They're supposed to be watching out for each other, protecting each other from sin. And here, Adam knows that what Eve's about to do, God said, don't do that or you could, you will die. And Adam waited to see if she died. And when she didn't, he said, okay, I'll try some of that. And the whole point, here they are in this paradise. God has given them everything they need, everything they could possibly want, including this tremendous personal relationship. Genesis says that that, uh, God walked with Adam in the garden. I mean, that's how close they were in this relationship. And he threw all that away for a piece of fruit, just like we throw everything away for for a, a, a sin of the day, whatever our favorite sin might be. We risk everything in order to take part in that sin. And they were, who's watching out for us? I mean, who's watching out for you, keeping you from your sin? Everyone should have someone in their life who wants what's best for them. I mean, as, as, as a child, that was my parents. I trusted my parents to keep me safe. And if my parents said, don't do this, this is bad for you. I never did that. Now, my brothers, 
Yeah. Now, I I never did it. But uh, I had a couple brothers who, you know, if you if, like Adam and Eve, if you say stay away from that, that's like that's like throwing coating it with honey and turning a bear loose on it. You know, they're they're going to try anything. But uh, no, that's 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 what your parents are there for when when you're young is to keep you safe and keep you from from destroying your life like like what happened with Adam and Eve. Uh, in in your marriage, that's your spouse. That's what they're supposed to be there for. If you're a parent, you're, God has put you there as the the stewards of your children to care for them and to bring them closer to to, to Christ. So we have a responsibility to look out for each other. We're we're all family. Uh, John here has a responsibility when he sees me uh, going down a bad path. He has a responsibility as, as, as a fellow Christian to warn me, just as I have a responsibility to warn him. And I think we, for, we forget that, that familial uh, tie that we have with, with each other as children of God, that we're there not to, not to point fingers at each other and say, oh, you're a bad person, but to say, come away from that. You know, <laughs> you're, you're going the wrong direction. Come back. Uh, out of love, not out of not of out of castigating someone for for what they do, uh, or or complaining about them or gossiping about them, but if you really cared for somebody, you would draw them closer to Christ. And and that ties in again again with Lent. But the serpent said, "We'll go back to to, to our reading." The serpent said, "You certainly will not die. God knows well that the moment you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like gods, who who know." What is good and what is evil? And the woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eyes, desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took some fruit and ate it and also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of, of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. The word of the Lord. So everybody talks about, well, was is naked being bad? That's not what it's referring to. Again, this is this is not something to be taken literal. This is all representational language. What they're saying is, and and I think we can all uh, understand this in in our own lives. How many of us, when we when we know we've committed a sin, we're embarrassed? We're embarrassed by our own actions, by our own desires, by, by our own greeds. And we don't go around bragging about it. Hey, I just sinned. We hide it. We don't tell people. How many of us have have hidden sins, things that we will we'll tell in the confessional, but we don't we don't talk about it anywhere else. And it's because we know that that it diminishes us as as people. That it that it 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 destroys us from the inside, and we're ashamed. So once they realized they had sinned, Adam and Eve were ashamed and they tried to hide that sin from God. God, of course, sees everything. So here we have a situation where uh, a man and, and a woman in a paradise filled with life all around them and everything they could possibly want. And they gave it all up for a simple piece of fruit or a simple sin and now we're going to compare that. We're going to jump to our gospel and compare, compare that with our, with our gospel reading. 
And then we'll go back and see what Paul has to say about the two of these things. So in our gospel, which is from Matthew still, we're going to talk about how what Lent actually represents. So our 40 days as we, as we head to uh, the celebration of, of the resurrection. So at that time, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was hungry. The tempter approached and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. He said in reply, It's written, One does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and made him stand on the parapet of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Then the devil took him up to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their magnificence. And he said to them, All these I will give to you if you will prostrate yourself and worship me. And at this Jesus said to him, Get away, Satan. It is written, The Lord your God shall you worship, and him alone shall you serve. And then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Great stuff, and a terrific story, and a lot for us to take with us into our Lent, our journey into the desert. We were talking about the differences and the similarities between Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and Jesus in the entering in the de- desert for 40 days and 40 nights and how that affects us at Lent. And I want to remind you that Adam and Eve had everything they could possibly want in the Garden of Eden, and yet it wasn't enough. Even though God had taken care of all their needs and put them in this beautiful paradise filled with life, they wanted more. It wasn't enough to be cared for by God, to be God's children. They wanted to be greater than God. And then you have Jesus, who's called into the desert by the Holy Spirit to prepare uh, himself for the beginning of his ministry. And he has nothing. He's in a barren desert with nothing. And yet when offered even a piece of bread, refuses it in order to stay obedient to God. And that's the big difference. You could, you could have this, if you want a lavish life, you can have a lavish life. But without God, you have nothing. You're dead. And you can have nothing in life and still have your faith, still have your, your belief and your obedience to God and have everything. So as we go into Lent, what it's calling us to do isn't to be miserable. We're not fasting and giving alms and, and acts of charity and, and uh, time in prayer to make ourselves miserable. It's, I, I love the way uh, Bishop Sheen puts it, Archbishop uh, Fulton Sheen. We deflate ourselves at Lent in order to be filled up again with Christ's love. So we, we're minimizing ourselves in order to have room for Christ to enter at an even greater volume than he's in our life now, whether, whether that's a minimal presence or, or whether your whole life is de- dedicated to Christ, Lent gives us the opportunity to make even more room by minimizing our lives. Little less, little less uh, want, little less desire. Uh, 
to minimize our sins and open our hearts up to have to be filled filled with love and lent isn't a, don't look at lent as a time of penance or a time of sorrow look at lent as a, the opportunity to fill yourselves with love love of Christ love with Christ but also love for others through our charity love for ourselves through our abstinence and our fasting we're not a religion of rules and don't do this and give up that and be miserable. God doesn't want us to be miserable. He wouldn't have put Adam and Eve in this lush paradise if he wanted mankind to be miserable. He wants mankind to have everything that he offers and all he asks in return is, is obedience. And it's not a huge amount of obedience. You know, my burden is light. My, my yoke is light. My, my burdens are few. You know, there's so much opportunity uh, in the Catholic faith for joy, in all of Christian faith for joy. And too often we, we look upon the rules. And so we look at Lent and say, well, I have to give up something. Well, it's not about what you give up. It's about how you change. I, I love coffee. I could easily, I shouldn't say easily, I could give up coffee for 40 days if I really wanted to. I'd be miserable but I could do it. And I know people who give up coffee for Lent. And in 40 days, they're swilling coffee down. Yeah. How are you, how have you changed? How has that affected you? How has giving up coffee helped you love someone more? How has it helped you love Christ more? How does giving up chocolate? I know a lot of people will give up chocolate. How does giving up chocolate for 40 days, knowing that when 40 days over, you can't wait to have your next piece of chocolate. How does that help you? How does that how does that increase your relationship with Christ? How does that help you be more charitable to others? Because you've, you've given up something that you fully intend to pick up again. So as we enter into Lent, I know a lot of us still haven't decided what we're going to give up. Give up sin. Consider that. Look at, your, look at our lives. Look deeply, not, not in a shallow way, but look deeply in your, into your life and say, what do I really need to give up to be a better person, to really reflect what I say I believe in? And use these 40 days to chisel this out of your life, not just set it aside to pick up again. I mean, can you imagine if a, a woodworker who for, for 40 days worked on a project and cut away, sawed away, planed away, sanded away all this wood to create a piece of art or a piece of furniture. And then at the end of 40 days, took all the wood that he had shaved off and glued it all back on again. I mean, that makes no sense. Where What happened to the, the beautiful art that was created? We do that in our lives. We give up stuff for 40 days and we pile it back on. We haven't changed. God is calling us to change our lives. And to do that over a period of 40 days, create new habits and get rid of old habits. And in the process, learn to love better. And that's what I'll leave you with uh, for, th for this edition of Good News. Let's, let's take some time over this next 40 days to learn to love better. May Almighty God bless you, protect you from all evil, and bring you to everlasting life. You've been listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in your life. Submit your questions to Deacon Al at goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. 
That's good news at catholicspiritradio.com. Deacon will answer your questions about faith and religion. Thank you for listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio.